discerning spiritual gifts. First Corinthians chapter 12. The first epistle of Paul the Apostle to the church at Corinth. Chapter 12 from verse 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God that worketh all in all. Notice, it is God at work. When the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, it is God Almighty at work. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. Verse 7 says the manifestation of the Spirit. I thought it would say the manifestation of the gifts. But rather, he said the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, when you see this gift in manifestation, it is actually the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Ghost in manifestation. is the one manifesting. So it is beyond the person that is exhibiting the gift, it is God in that person. Is that clear, somebody? Verse 8, for to one is given, now these are the gifts now, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith. Now, this is not general faith, this is the gift of special faith to another. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Now, this is not the general healing, which is found in Mark 16, 17. This signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on, on the sick. Well, this signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's for all believers. But this one is an impartation of the Spirit. This is God manifesting himself through a vessel in a special way. So special healings will happen because God is the one manifesting. This is different from the general healing. Can I have an amen to that? Right. Next verse. Verse 10. To another, the working of miracles, which is what we started last week. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as a will. And if you go to the last verse, verse 31, it says, But covet desire earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now we are to covet this gift, we are to covet the nine of them, but we are to covet the best one. Now, which one is the best? The best gift is the gift that you need at the moment. Somebody's dying in the hospital and they need definitely the working of miracles. Their body has been badly ravaged. Maybe the vital organs have gone. They've packed up and the doctors have given up on them. Now you need the working of miracles. In that, to create new organs. You need the gifts of healings to heal what is remaining. So many times, and then you need the gift of faith to receive it, to even receive those miracles. Many, many times you find out that it's a combo. The way these gifts work, they work in a combo. And that's why in the ministry of someone like Smith Wigglesworth, 14 people were raised. A total of 14 people were raised from the dead. Now, that is not common even nowadays. The reason being that some of us, it is one gift we are manifesting. And some are manifesting too. In the raising of the dead, at least three of those gifts must be in manifestation. The gift of faith, to receive the person back to life. The gift of the working of miracles. To do a miracle of raising the dead. And then the gifts of healings. To heal what has been damaged in that person. Otherwise. If the gift of healings is not in manifestation. But 
By the gift of faith, you receive the spirit back into the body. By the working of miracles, you raise the dead back to life. The dead will die again because the same thing that killed the dead will kill them again. If the gifts of healings is not in operation. That's why the raising of the dead is not common. People just jump out and say, ah, let's go and raise the dead. After all, the Bible said, those that believe in God, those that believe in Jesus, the works that I do, shall they do also even greater works? Yes. That's why you must covet the gifts. This is the key to the greater works. But primarily, I must say, God must see love and compassion in your heart. Oh, if you are really going to help people, if you are really, really, really going to help people, like you want to help them, you must be someone that has love. The love of God must be shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You must walk in that love. You must walk in love. You must love people. You must be compassionate, not in terms of pitiful, mm -mm. Not, not being pitiful, but com compassion is the nature of God. The Bible says that the multitudes came to Jesus and he had compassion on them. He said, I will not send them away. He healed them. After healing them, he fed them. The disciples said, how are you going to feed them? We're in the desert. How are we going to buy bread to feed them? And Jesus said, I don't want them to go lest they faint in the way. Compassion. Sometimes when you are praying for someone that is in a very terrible condition, the odor that might be oozing out of their body may be discouraging. But you must love them beyond the odor. Maybe they have been treated by a nurse or by a doctor. And so they are going through something. They have pores in their body, oozing out. Now you say, man, man, I can't stand the stench. You, you don't love. You love to the point that, look, if this were my mother, what would I do? If this were my father, if this were my sister, how would I handle the situation? Compassion. You must see beyond every limitation. There are situations you see you don't even want to touch. But the compassion of God drives you to want to help them. Are you with me tonight? So we've dealt with, now, the nine gifts are categorized into three. Number one, we have the three of them that say something. Number two, we have the three of them that do something. And number three, we have the three of them that reveal something. Of the gifts that say something, Again, I repeat, we have prophecy, which is the most important of the three gifts that say something. We have interpretation of tongues, and then, sorry, we have diverse kinds of tongues, and then the last in that uh, subset is the interpretation of tongues. Then we have the three of them that do something. Number one in that subset is the gift of special faith. Power gifts, we call them power gifts. The ones that say something are called utterance, and we have the power gift, the gift of special faith, followed by working of miracles and then followed by the last one in the power gift, the gifts of healings. Now, we have the third subset, the three gifts that reveal something. Number one, we have the word of wisdom. Number two, we have the word of knowledge. And number three, we have discerning of spirit. We've dealt with the three gifts that reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirit. Now, we are dealing with the gifts, the three of them that do something. We've dealt with the gift of special faith. Now, last week, we started dealing with the working of miracles. And I intend to conclude that tonight so that next week, we can go to the gifts of healings. Amen. So, a quick recap. Last week, I shared with us that the gifts of the working of miracles was more prominent in the Old Covenant. There were lots and lots and lots of miracles in the Old Covenant. But we have more things in the New Testament. In the new covenant. That is not to say that miracles still don't happen. They do happen. And all this worketh the one and the self same Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? So we must desire these gifts. Now, I gave us an example last week or some examples last week of this gift in operation when the children of Israel were going to be delivered from Egypt. They had been in bondage for about 430 years. That's spanning over 10 generations. A generation is a period of 40 years. Over 10 generations, that must be the 11th generation. And God in one night was going to rescue them. <laughs> you can imagine how, how many of them had been born and how many had died in captivity. They never knew freedom. But there came a generation, the work generation. And God said, this one, I'm going to deliver them. And of course, Pharaoh said, no, you have always been our slaves. We met you as slaves. You worked hard for us. We've seen fat on, on, on your labor. 
the houses, they built the, they built the castles, they did the hard labor, they made the money, the Egyptians spent the money. You can imagine that kind of life. Some people are working so hard, but some people sit on sharing the money, like it's happening in Nigeria, and God will dethrone all of them. By the working of miracles, God will dethrone all of them. In 2023, the people who have made up their mind to continue to put Nigerians in captivity will be put to shame. Open and public shame in the name of Jesus. Shout a good amen. We shouldn't be living like this in Nigeria at all. Nigeria is the sixth largest oil producing country in the world. Not in Africa. In the world. In the world. When you go to Dubai, you think you are... Starting from the airport, the DXB airport. Fantastic. Massive. Go, go to this Middle East. Go Bahrain, some, one of my friends said he stayed in Qatar. They, they flew, I think, coming from the U.S. And then they had to stop over in Doha. She said after she, she, she took a bath in the bathroom, she felt she was very dirty. Because the bathroom was so clean. I mean, the white was not like Nigerian white. That's already brown, naturally. It was so white that she took a bath and she felt, ah, why am I so dirty? Why? Everything was just so clean. I remember also in, in Dubai, in my hotel, I said, uh, uh, are we in the same world? Are we in the, you, you travel and you see wonders, and you wonder what is going on in Nigeria. The moment you are back in Nigeria, even if they blindfold you, you will know you are back home. When you land in our airport, you will know that you are back. You don't need to be told. They will now wear Nigeria. No, from the noise to the heat to everything, the way the people conduct themselves. And it shouldn't be so. When you talk about the commonwealth of nations, Nigeria should be in the league of countries like Bahrain, like Qatar, like Oman, the oil-rich countries, because we are an oil-rich nation. But what have we had so far? We've had Awoma Kotileta, prodigal sons, who have been leading us and ruling and mishandling this country. A few people just decide to divide our commonwealth. That's all. That's all. Why should Nigerians be hustling to go to the UK? Why? Nigeria was colonized by the United Kingdom. It should be a free visa zone. But they can't do free visa zone because the moment Nigerians get there, they say we're only coming for two weeks, they never come back. But this same country, there was a time when going to the UK was no big deal. People didn't, they didn't want to go. They were begging people. Parents were begging their children to go and school abroad. They say, why? I don't want to go. I, don't, I, I like my Nigeria. Today, the narratives has changed. Ordinary South Africa there, Nigerians are dying to go to South Africa. I pray again that God will rescue this nation. Our situation was like that of the, Egyptian, the Israelites in Egypt. They were the ones working, working so hard. Working so hard. There was a time that the US dollar was at par with our Naira. There was a time people bought flight ticket to England for one Naira 60 kobo. I don't like to hear such stories, really, because they pain me. <laughs> but it is well. It is what it is, but we know that we serve a God who does not change and his power is not reduced. Can I have an amen to that? So, God said, I'm going to deliver my people. But Pharaoh said, no, I will never let them go. Really? Is there anyone who wants to let their good slave go? When somebody has been a good slave, a good servant, before you wake up, they have cleaned up the house, they've cleaned up the dishes, they've cooked your meal, They've cleaned your car. Everything is sparkling. You just wake up with your dirty mouth. You just brush. Breakfast is ready. All right? They almost wear your clothes for you. They do everything. They don't allow you to stress yourself. And all of a sudden, they say, I found a better job. I want to go. He said, no, you're not going anywhere. That was the case. But then God said, I'm going to, by a mighty hand, deliver my people. So when Pharaoh would not let them go, God performed the wonders. Those wonders were what you can describe today as working of miracles. You would remember from Aaron's, from Exodus now, Exodus 6, Exodus 7, Exodus 8, you find these accounts there. Aaron threw his rod on the floor and the rod became a snake. That was the working of a miracle. If it wasn't a miracle, when you get home, like I told you last week, throw down your daddy's rod and see if it turns to a snake. You and I know that it's not going to turn to anything. As you pick, as you drop it, so you will pick it. Now, they didn't let them go. At some point, God turned the sand, the dust, 
into flies. And you would think normal human being would let them go. They didn't let them go. Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. There was a time your place was filled with frogs. Different, different, different things that God did. But then Pharaoh wouldn't let them go until the final day. When eventually the angel of destruction, the destroyer, struck the firstborn from the firstborn of Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 12 now. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner in the dungeon, they were all struck dead. And in the midnight, the Bible says now, that night is it. Because there was not one house where there was not at least one dead in the whole of the country of Egypt. You can imagine in every house there was somebody dead. In every house there was a dead person. In one night, Pharaoh arose in the midnight. He, this was the God of the Israelites fighting for them. He sent for Moses and Aaron. He said, please, go. Go with your people. Please go. And when you go, entreat your God for me. Beg him for me. They were urgent upon the people to go. And the Bible says, God said, they will not go empty. I pray for someone tonight. Well, I don't know where you are coming from and where you are going to, but you will not go empty. They demanded of their, their masters. Oh yeah, can I have your Gucci bag? Can I have your designer bag? Can I have your uh, gold necklace? Can I have your, 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 your designer perfume? They were not spoiling the people as it were. They were demanding things that they worked for. Are you with me? God knew they were going to have to travel through the wilderness and he was going to settle them in the new land and they needed prosperity to go with them. So God was making provision for them. After all, they worked for these things. They worked for them. So, the people were urgent upon them. Oh yeah, go, go. Oh yeah, okay. Madam, the $20,000 I gave you yesterday, can I have it now? Can I have it now? Oh yes, you can have it. Do you, have, do you want more? You want more money? Give them. Do you want more clothes? They give them. You want more shoes? They give them. They give them all manner of things. So they left Egypt loaded. Here they were approaching the Red Sea. On one side was a huge mountain. On the other side was the wilderness. In front of them was the Red Sea. The next thing they knew, they started hearing the neighing of horses. They looked back. It was Pharaoh and his army galloping towards them. Galloping towards them. Exodus 14 now. Galloping towards them. Ah, ah, what trouble is this? They began to murmur against Moses. You would have left us alone. No? You would have left us alone. No? Did we ask you that want to go? Now we're going to die. How do we die now? Do we choose to enter the water and die there? Or we fall into the hands of Pharaoh? It was a time of distress. They couldn't run up to the mountain. They couldn't run into the wilderness. They couldn't drown in the Red Sea. And they didn't want to turn back because Pharaoh was coming to recapture them and turn them to slaves again. Moses spoke to God and God said to Moses, Moses, he said, sir, stretch your hand over the, the sea. And the moment he did, the gift of the working of miracles went into action. The working of miracles parted the Red Sea and the waters stood as walls on both sides. Now, have you ever seen water stand before? Anybody here? Water just doesn't stand. <laughs> For the first time in the history of water, water stood. Water stood like a wall on their right, like a wall on their left. It didn't turn to brick. It was still water. But the gift of the walking of miracles suspended it there, parted it, and suspended it. But there was another gift in action. The gift of faith. The gift of faith kept the sea divided and standing. So the children of Israel walked through on dry land. In the midst of the sea, on dry land. The Egyptians also cashing on that. They were opportunists. They entered. They saw the water. But they thought, yeah, we don't care. We'll go get them. When God saw that they were going to catch up with his children, he sent angels to remove their wheels. They removed their tires. The tires of their cart, C-A-R-T. You know, back in the day, the means of transportation was a cart. The horses could not drive the cart anymore because the wheels had been removed, supernaturally removed. 
So somebody says they're going to send hired assassins to you. Hired assassins will never get to your house because their wheels will be removed on the way. Amen? So that they themselves will know that this person we are going to meet, this one is the child of God. Let's go back. Otherwise, we die on the way. Immediately they saw that, they said, ah! The God of the Israelites is fighting for them against us. Let's run back. As they were going to run back, the last person of the Israel camp got out of that portion and God said to Moses, Moses, he says, sir, stretch your hand again. He did. And the waters returned in full force. Remember, the Egyptians didn't have in them the working of miracles. They didn't have that gift. Neither did they have the gift of faith. Whether to part it or to keep it parted. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they all perished. Now, there were more miracles in the old covenant. We saw also last week the gift of the working of miracles used to provide for those in want. First Kings 17, verses 12 to 16. I'm going to be very fast with that. First Kings 17, 12 to 16. And I hope that um, you've not been joking with these words because they will really bless you. Now, we are in very tough times in our country. Those who are watching online, I want you to know, it might not be very tough in your own country, but in our country, the prices of everything, you know, prices of items are going up, food items, household items, everything, like almost every day. If you don't buy what you need to buy now, by the time you get there next week, this time next week, sorry, there is a little addition or, or much more on top of it. Now, First Kings 17, there was a widow woman there who had a child and they were down to their last meal, their last Congo of rice. In fact, this wasn't up to Congo. It was like um, two cups of rice. First Kings 17, and we're going to be in verses 12 to 16. And she said, as the Lord that God liveth, I have not a cake, but a and a little oil in a cruise. Nigeria is a cruise nation. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in. <laughs> Everything that is cruise. <laughs> that I may go in and dress it for me and my son. That we may eat and die. I mean, that was their last hope. We just want to eat it and die. Because we know after this one, there's nothing more to eat. Verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Somebody say first. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In whatever you do, put God first. God will never take the second place. Your church needs something. You need that same thing also. Like for example, your church needs rug, a piece of rug. Your house also needs a piece of rug. Buy the one in church first. If you can't buy it, if you, don't, if you can't afford it, contribute to it first. So is seed. It's part of seeking the kingdom of God first. When you make money, when money comes to your hand, before you begin to go to tantalizers, go to, uh, uh, where do you guys go? You don't even go to tantalizers. This generation is, uh, <laughs> you go to, uh, what's that pizza place? That Domino's Pizza. And cold stone ice cream. And you go to the mall. Before you begin to spend, spend, spend. Remove God's money first. First. It is not just how much you tithe that, that pleases God. But your attitude. Your attitude that God, I'm putting you first. Before I spend the rest, I'm going to take God's money out first. I'm going to go on my knees and pay my tithe first. You are telling God, God, you are, you are important. And can I tell you what? It is that 10% that makes the remaining 90% meaningful. Ask people who have spent money, who have been spending money. Some people will tell you that money has passed through their hands and they couldn't place what they did with that money. And it has happened to many of us too. Do I have a witness? When you know that ah, you got some money like him, but you just can't account what you used it for. You begin to think, ah, did they steal money from me? Did I lose money? No, you didn't lose money. The thing that will normally take it from non-titers has taken it from you. I said to people, you pay tithe. If you're not going to give tithe to God, you, the thing that will take it from you will take it from you. Anyway, some other time. So Elijah said, make for me first and bring it unto me. This man had some audacity here. And after, make for you and for your son. So 
Somebody told you that what she had left was very small. For her and for her son, very little to eat and to die. You said out of that little, she should make for you first and then bring it to you. Who do you think you are? But hey, this woman listened. Women, learn humility. Learn hospitality. In Yoruba language, this woman got a miracle like that. She would have missed out. She would have eaten this meal with her son and according to her confession, they would have died. But look what the man of God said to her. Verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. And I said that to the expression house tonight. And I say to everyone watching, online, listening, and everyone here. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail. Until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Until there is an abundance in Nigeria again. You will never lack. Until our economy recovers. In between. Between now and that time, if it ever recovers, you will never lack. That's what this means. God takes care of his people in the middle of a famine. Do you know what the Lord said to me? And what he said to you as well, but you might not know. But we know in my family. Psalm 37, 19. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. Even in famine, they shall be abundantly satisfied. In the New Living Translation, it says they will not be disgraced in hard times. These are hard times and you will not be disgraced. Even in famine, it said they will have more than enough. You will have more than enough. You see, when you begin to have more than enough that you cannot explain, that is the gift of the working of miracles in action. It's always unexplainable. You just don't know how. Customers are just coming. People are just, you're having more clients. You're just making more money. They say there's no money. There's no money. But in your own case, credit alert is like three times a week. You know, jobs coming in and better jobs. God gave us another word. The word that comes from this altar. Amos 9.13. In the message translation. God said he's going to do things. He said things are going to happen so fast that your head will swim. You won't be able to keep up one good thing upon the heels of the other. Can I have an amen to that? Some of you will, will begin, you will need to begin to hire people to work for you because the orders that will be coming in between now and Christmas, you won't be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah, I just spoke to some people and they just caught it. Verse 15. And she went and did according to the singing of, and she and he, that is Elijah, and her house, her family, did eat many days. Verse 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. I say again, your barrel of meal will not waste. Neither will your cruise of oil fail. In the name of Jesus. They didn't know how. They kept going to the barrel of meal. They kept having food to cook. They kept having food to cook. The barrel did not multiply. It was the same one barrel and one jar of oil. As they poured the oil, oil still remained. As they poured the oil, oil still remained and sustained them many days. The God of miracles is still alive. Chapter 3 verse 6. Lord and I change not. That's why you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus today, today and forever. He doesn't change. Let me give you another miracle. Supernatural provision that terminated shame. This was where we stopped last week actually. In the life of a widow who was married to a man in ministry who died in death. D-E-B-T. Second Kings chapter 4. I don't mind people. Second Kings chapter 4. From verse 1 to 6. I read that very quickly. Then I go to New Testament examples of the working of miracles. And then we'll stop it there for tonight. Second Kings chapter 4, 1 to 7. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. Unto Elisha. Singing. My husband is dead. And down the Lord. And the creditor is come to take him. My two sons to be bondmen. 
what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what art thou in the house? And she said, and in the house, save a pot of oil. I don't have anything but a little pot with what you have. Think again. What do you have? A little talent? A skill? A little business idea? There is something everybody has. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Go and borrow vessels. Borrow of oil. Go from house to house. Borrow, borrow, borrow. What do you? He didn't say borrow money. Oh. Because I had the preacher say, you see now, they got into the situation by borrowing. And the answer was also borrowing. Listen, listen, and listen online. If you get into debt, D-E-B-T, if you are owing and you are in trouble, don't borrow some more to get out of that trouble. Because what you are doing is that you are falling into a pit and you are digging. If you keep digging, you are going to, you are going to get deeper and deeper and deeper in that mess. So stop all the borrowing right there. And begin to trust God to pay your creditors. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't borrow. Don't borrow anymore. The man borrowed money. Elisha said to the wife, go and borrow vessels to contain oil. Miracle. To, to pay. I personally don't borrow money. I told my wife, my fiancée then, who's not my wife, when we were going to get married, I don't do two Bs. I do one B. Number one B, I don't beg. I'm too ashamed to be begging people. Number two, I don't borrow. I hate borrowing because I saw in the word of God that the borrower is the, is the servant of the lender. I don't want to be anybody's servant. Let me be a servant of God. And I saw in Romans 13 verse 8, Oh, no man not anything but to love them. So what I owe you tonight is love. I owe you love. I love everybody, but I should not owe you money. So if I do business with somebody and I'm yet to pay them, I keep it in my record until I have that money, I must pay. Because the Bible says to not owe anybody anything. It will shock you. This happened between Ebenezer and myself. Um, I think last year or so, I hired him, or two years ago, I hired him to teach my son to tutor him after school, just engage him and, you know, lesson teacher kind of thing. I could have said, well, you're a member of my church, do it for free. I said, no, <laughs> you are going to trek from home to come and teach my son. I should pay you. So I started paying him. But the last month, I can't remember what happened. Maybe my son had to go to school or something happened. So I didn't remember to pay him. <laughs> so recently, they had drama training about two weeks ago or so. And as I was right there on the pulpit upstairs in the junior church, talking to them, the Lord reminded me that I owed Ebenezer. And I smiled. So I said to him after the program, I said, Ebenezer, I, I think, or did I say to him in the, in the course of the program? In the course of the program, yeah. I spoke to him, so there were drama guys there. I think I owe you something. From my son's teaching, the Holy Spirit reminded me. Ebenezer had kept quiet all these months. Same day, as I got back to my office, I transferred the money to his account. I said, please send me your account. Because I saw from the Bible, oh, no man, not anything but love. There was a time I bought a brand new laptop from one of our pastors. We had an agreement to pay instrumentally. I had paid some installments. I had like almost maybe 60000 to go. They imported those laptops from the U.S. One afternoon, we were in church like this. We had done morning services. Expression House used to be an afternoon church at the time, Sunday afternoon. I didn't have an office within this complex. And so my wife, who was pregnant at the time, was very tired. She used to sit on a plastic chair from morning till evening time. So that day she said she wanted to go home to go and rest. I said, okay, that's fine, you could go. We were late. So I stayed because I was going to conduct the service. When she got home, some, she heard some footsteps within our compound. So it was that burglars had, kept, had, had, had accessed our flat. The two flats in the house, they came in through the roof. And they made away with a lot of things, including tubers of yam. Those guys were really broke. <laughs> I mean, they got to my 
apartment, they put my passport on the floor. There was no visa in there. My wife's passport, my neighbor's passport, my, my neighbor then had a lot of visas. They threw everything on the floor. They were just looking, they didn't care about anything. It was just those, those boys, those security guards on the estate. So, uh, they took my laptop. Brand new. And at the time, we had not yet bought electronics, TV set and all those things. So, the only means of entertainment for my young wife and myself was the laptop. I had a lot of American movies on it, the type that I liked. So, we used to watch every evening while eating dinner. And then, how are you, how are you? Okay. They jumped over the fence. They made away with the laptop. Then they threw the power cable. But the power cable got stuck in the barbed wires. So, they left that. She saw that dangling and she knew, ah, our entertainment center. What was I going to do? I was very bitter, very angry. I was in church doing God's work and somebody was in my house boggling my house. Somebody told me, Pastor, because there were footsteps, my wall was all white. I like all white. It was all white. So there were footprints. Somebody said, ah, Pastor, hey, you won't like to do evil. Anointed. <laughs> they don't just swear like that. I said, well, I'm very angry. I feel like cursing them right now, but God will take care of them. That was how the laptop left. I told the person that I bought it from, but then I was still owing on it. So the normal natural thing would be, no, I didn't tell him. The natural thing would be, well, it's gone. I don't have it anymore, so why pay for it? But hey, we had an agreement. So I kept working towards getting the balance. After about four months, the man had forgotten about it completely. One Sunday afternoon after service, as he got into his car, I got into his car with him. I said, sir, do you have one minute? He confessed. said that day, he actually told me that I needed money. I said, sir, do you have one minute? He said, you remember that you owe you money? He said, yes. I said, the Bible tells me to owe no man nothing but is the cash. 60,000 naira, the balance that I owe you. When I gave it to him, he was struck with awe. What? He needed money badly? He didn't even remember that I was owing him? He, he had his mind in so many places? And I told him the story that the laptop had been stolen. But I'm pleased to pay you the balance, sir. You don't need to, don't even give me anything out of it. Pay you. you used money to import them. So you, you ought to have your money back. I left the car that day. He sent me a text. said, Fred, I have, I've got great respect for you. I said, sir, I've got great respect for the word of God. Nothing but to love them. Some of you listening to me tonight, you're owing people and you need to go and pay. Go and pay. God will release a huge deluge of blessings into your life. After you have paid that money. Can I have an amen to that? Right. So, he said, go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Borrow empty vessels, ensure that there is nothing in there because you need to have a container. Number four, verse four. And when thou art coming, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shall pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed. Verse 7. And she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay up your debt and leave thou and thy children of the rest. Amen. She borrowed several vessels. Please, always listen for divine instructions. This woman limited herself to the number of vessels she borrowed. God's power is unlimited, but you may choose to limit him in your life. Some of us limit God by our small thinking. God says, how many customers do I have? He knows the project is coming. 
and the people that are going to join you on that project will need a huge space. But you are limited to your today. So she borrowed some vessels. Elisha, the man of God said, borrow of all your neighbors abroad. Now that didn't mean overseas. It meant everywhere around you. She borrowed maybe as many as she could get. And from her own little bottle, she began to pour oil. Can you pour oil from a bottle, a jar, and it's filling a barrel? A barrel or a vessel is a drum, like what we call drum. You know drum? Some of you don't know drum. No, no, you don't know drum. Here, have some ajeboa. Now, me, I'm not ajeboa. <laughs> Back in the day, in Mokola, we used to go and fetch water with our bath. Hmm? What you call barrel? We call it bath. You, then you pour it in the drum. Yeah. And then you come back and pour it in the drum. And then you go again. And you, you might go like five times or six times before the drum is filled. Imagine a jar of oil. And you're pouring from a jar. And the jar is not dry. And is not exhausted until the drum is filled up. And then you go to the next drum. And you're doing the same thing. That is the working of miracles. Can I have an amen? But this woman did something. She involved her children. They were part of the miracle. I want to plead with you. I know some of you are not parents yet. When God begins to do things in your life, in fact, as you walk with God, let your children be part of your story. We are never to be a people who come to church and leave our children at home. During the pandemic, they said, no, no, don't go to church. Oh, no, they are going to go. Let the children stay at home. At least for, no, no. If I'm going to church, my family is going to church with me. The kind of family I even have, they will even stay at home. We should train our children in the line of faith. If you're watching online, listening online, let your children be part of your, your faith journey. Can I tell you what? <laughs> children don't forget. Such children who saw the miracle of the oil pouring into the vessel, do you think they would ever forget in their lives? In the future, as they grew older, if they had a miracle, uh, sorry, they had a financial need in their lives, do you think they would not be able to draw from that experience that the God who didn't put my mom to shame, that, I mean, I was the one that borrowed the vessels and my mom was pouring the oil and she was pouring the oil. Do you think they wouldn't be able to call on that God? I love it when my children see miracles. I love it. They say, Dad, that was that one day. Do you remember that day that so, so, and so, and so happened? I say, yeah, you, you remember. I love that. Let them grow with it. Let them grow with it. Train up your child in the way of the Lord and they will not depart from it when they grow old. They won't go to uh, the United Kingdom or go to Canada and someday call you on the phone and say, Dad, I just found out I'm gay. Some kids have called their parents and the parents collapsed. Your what? Who told you that? Why is son? You are a man. I just, I just found out, Dad. I'm not, I'm not straight. I'm not straight. I, I mean, I, I feel, I feel like a woman. I don't. I, I mean, in Canada today, if a boy says that I feel like a girl, say, don't, 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 just leave him alone. They have LGBTQI. I don't know what next the devil is giving them. I mean, God didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. You are either male or female. It's not in the feeling. Let your children be part of your journey of faith. Listen, let them know. Let's trust God together. Children have demands a lot. Daddy, Ventura. So that's fine. It's okay. We will go. But you have to believe God for it. Okay. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, they pray. They go to God in their room. They go, they go on their knees. Dad, Father, in the name of Jesus, provide daddy for my daddy. Provide mommy for my daddy. Provide money for my daddy. Provide money for my mommy. Provide, bless them, bless them. So that they can take us, they can take me and my brother to Ventura. And as little as that prayer is, God answers. Amen? Daddy, you know that suya at Pribuiz? Uh, There's one suya guy there, man. <laughs> that guy's bad. That guy's bad. With the chicken especially. They told me last Friday, Daddy, you promised last week that come next Friday we'll go there. I said, did I promise? He said, yes, you did. 
Man of God, don't go back on your word. And because I want them to, to learn to believe God, I don't ever want to lie to my children. Because when you begin to lie to them, the father they see. Then they will grow believing that the father they don't see, the heavenly father, also sometimes can, can lie. But God never lies. Can I have an amen to that? So many times when they ask for things and in terms of physical cash, I don't have it, I tell them, use your faith. Let's believe God. Daddy, you are the only one going abroad every time. You go for summer. We, we too want to go. Want to go. You want to go? That's the stage they are at right now. <laughs> because also their, their friends in school, you know, some of them will come back and say, ah, man, you know, ah, we were in uh, Cricklewood Crickle, in London, you know, and, and my daddy is always going to that place. <laughs> All right. Daddy, next Jesus' name. Amen. Go and believe God. This woman carried her children along. Stop learn, you must have capacity. And you, you think you are the King Kong of your area. You are a local champion. No, no, no. Increase capacity. Increase capacity. Go for more courses. Increase, increase. Your God is unlimited. When the capacity, when she got filled to capacity, the miracle stopped. Can you imagine if she had 100 more barrels? I tell you by the message of God, those 100 barrels will be filled. All the barriers got filled. She didn't know what to do with the oil. It was too much oil. Ah, ah, man of God said, I should borrow vessels. I borrowed vessels. I borrowed vessels. All of them are filled with oil. What am I going to do? She went to the man of God. Man of God said, you know what to do? Go sell them the debt. The oil was more than enough to pay the debt and for her and her family to live on for the rest of their days. That was huge money. Imagine she was, her husband was owing one millionaire. By the time they sold all the oil, they made about seven to five million. So pay one million, leave off the rest. And there was no record that they came back again broke and they said, man of God, what are, what are we going to do again? So it means they had more than enough money to live the rest of their days. Listen, church, let us learn to seek God first. When you need to be at Bible study, be at Bible study. When you need to be at Sunday service, be at Sunday service. When you need to be at a ministry, be at a ministry. Begin to serve there. It doesn't take God a long time to do a big thing in your life. What you will spend in a whole year, God can give you in one week. One week job can take care of you for a whole year. Of the hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle. You will soon expire. It is not of him that will it, not of him that run it, but of God that showed mercy. People sometimes in three days. I had a minister share this. He said in three days, I, I met more than my budget twice. This was in the U.S. for a whole year. In three days. In three days. God can do in one meeting what you cannot do for yourself in ten years. But you have to seek him first. You have to love him. The gift of the working miracles. I need to stop. But I want to give you an example from the New Testament. And then I'll stop. And then wrap this up next week by the grace of God and then go to the next gate. Talk about the feeding of the 5,000. John chapter 6, verses 5 to 14. How did Jesus do it? He deployed the gift of the working of miracles. How do you feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? You can try it when you get home. A blaze is coming anyway. So we don't know how we're going to feed people. It's not even in the plan. But God might just put it in your heart, like I'm thinking about it really. That we should feed people. Let everybody have a pack of food. Something decent. Jollof rice, some chicken, maybe a little plantain on top. And a bottle of water, you know, packed after service, hand them, hand it to people, and they'll be fine. Jesus fed the people with the word of God, and he also fed them with food. So they got five loaves and two fishes. How do you feed 5,000 with that? Even if you break it into tiny pieces, like communion. I love, I love my parents. My parents were Anglican. My mom would tell me, you know, they are Ondo people. They were Ondo people. They are in heaven, heaven now. My mom would say, I'm, I'm CNS. My father would say, I'm Anglican. 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 No, they Anglican. CNS. In the CNS back in the day, I'm sure. Or maybe it was Catholic. Oh, God have mercy. I've been to several churches in my life. <laughs> Growing up. I remember that I was in a service where they were singing. They were going to take um, communion. Somebody knows that song? 
And you look very holy. And I had the dream of becoming an altar boy when I grew up. I wanted to be an altar boy in the Catholic church. I don't know the name of that thing that normally swing like this, like pendulum. Incense. And there'll be, there'll be smoke. Ah! And they wear something like a cassock. Wear something. Red. So when I grow up, I'll be an altar boy. It was my dream. I thank God that today I'm an altar boy. <laughs> Glory to God. Man, I'm an, I'm an altar boy, man. Everywhere I go, I'm on the altar. Praise God. I love it. I love it. I love my job. I love what I do. Praise God. Now, even if you broke five loaves of bread and two fish into tiny pieces like your fingernails, it won't go around 5,000 people. But the Bible says they ate and they were filled. Man, have you ever been to the house of a rich man and they took you to the dining hall? It's a hall, not dining corner, dining hall. Like the governor's lodge. The table is from one end of the world to the next. And it's long. And it's filled with all manner of men. Like the table of Solomon. Man, you don't know what to eat. I remember the first time I went with senior pastor to minister in our church, one of our branches in Lagos. That branch now drove us after service. I was his protocol officer. Two of us actually were. Somebody was in charge of his books. I was in charge of his Bible. And um, they took us to Protea Hotel. I think somewhere in Lekki. It was my first time. Many years ago. I had to take a tour. From one end of the table to the next. To see what looked familiar. <laughs> took the plate. Haruko, what's, what's my business with the uh, uh, first course, second course? Everything used together. Took my plate. Took this one small. Took that one small. Took that one small. Took that one small. One looked like Maggie. I took small. One looked like boiled egg. I took small. It wasn't egg. It was like boiled egg. Me and Shade, my friend, she also was taken. She was taken. I was taken. She was taken. I was taken. And we look at each other. Hey. By the time we were returning to our table, it was a mountain. We couldn't see each other. This mountain. So we began to eat. We began to eat. I did do. I did do. Just, <laughs> how does it oh, oh, fantastic. By the time we're done, I had to loosen my belt. I was already heavily pregnant in my second trimester. Imagine the table of the Lord. Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me. Imagine if Jesus feeds you. Do you think he just gave them tiny pieces like tutu biscuits? Oh yeah, and then inside them it now multiplied. Ah, but it's small. No. Why are you guys laughing tonight? <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. He blessed it. He gave it to the disciples. The disciples took it. They distributed it to the people. Huge, huge. The people to say heavy, 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 heavy. Nah, it was heavy. Heavy bread, heavy fish from five loaves. Even the disciples didn't know how this was happening. They were taking it, breaking and giving. They would break the fish, give it up. It didn't finish until it went round. Now, Bible scholars have said that there were at least 20,000 people in that meeting. Because the Bible says 5,000 men. Men, meaning apart from the women and the children. Even if they were just 5,000. Even if they were just 200. Even 100. Even 50. They had to the point that they were filled. They were not just filled. The ones they could not eat. For you to know that the bread and fish did not multiply in their tummy. It actually was big. They had leftovers. The ones they could not digest. They couldn't even take it anymore. They saute, saute. Now some of you British people don't understand saute. They ate saute. They could not eat anymore. And they gathered. Jesus said, "Don't let anything waste." They gathered up twelve baskets. 
or fragments. Now, those were not little tiny baskets. Those were huge baskets, the type that they used to lower Paul the apostle. When the governor was going to apprehend him, they put him in a basket. That's a huge basket that can contain a human being. And they lowered him down the fence and he escaped. Those were the kind of baskets they had. Imagine basket my height. And there were 12 of them and they were filled with the leftovers. The, the people have never seen that before. That was why. Later in that chapter, which now forms the text of what I'm teaching now on Sunday, the God that collapses time. It's the same chapter. John chapter 6. In verse 18, the disciples waited for Jesus. When they didn't see him, they got on the boat and they began to travel back to Capernaum. They were going home. This was a meeting. This was a faith meeting. So they were going back to Capernaum. Capernaum was home for Jesus. He lived in Capernaum. He had a house in Capernaum. Do your Bible study. So they had traveled about three to four miles on the water because it was getting dark. And the master didn't come to them. Then he walked on the water. And he came very close to the boat and they cried. Ah! Ah! He said, no, it's I. Don't be afraid. Come on, guys. Oh, it's you. Thank you, master. This was in the account of when Peter said, if it be you, Lord, bid me come. Mark chapter 4. This is different. Nobody spoke here. They were all afraid, including Peter himself. And the Bible said they willingly received him into the ship. And as they got into the ship, the ship got to the destination. You don't know how many hours they needed to travel on water. Back to Capernaum. They had only traveled three to four miles. Immediately, Jesus entered the ship. Imagine you are going to the UK six hours. And your plane taxis and takes off. And Jesus walks on the air and enters the plane. The plane is around Lagos. Around Lagos. It hasn't left Lagos. And immediately Jesus sits down. In the, of course, he was sitting in the first class carrier. Sits in the business class, the first class. The plane lands in Heathrow. Za. Ah. <laughs> six hour journey. Didn't even take up to six minutes. Now, miracles upon miracles upon miracles. Talk about the God that collapses time. That was what he did. That was why when these people now came, the people that were at the meeting, when they didn't see Jesus, they saw that the disciples left alone. They didn't see Jesus join them. They said, ah. And there was no other ship there except other ships that came from Tiberias for the meeting. The Bible said they took shipping. They all got on board of their ship and they went to Capernaum. They said, let's go and look for him at home. When they got to Capernaum, they found Jesus at home. Master, when did you get here? Jesus said, you are not looking for me because of the power of God. Because you saw the power of God. You are looking for me because you ate of the bread and you were filled. What a God we serve. If you are born again tonight, you have the same Jesus in you. Don't just hear these teachings and put them in your head and have a head swollen with knowledge. Put them into practice. No matter your situation, speak to him. Jesus, your power has not reduced. Amen? Your power has not reduced one bit. I covet the gifts of the Spirit. And some of us right now, we need to deploy, we need by the help of the Holy Spirit, need the Holy Spirit actually, to help us Deploy the gift of the working of miracles. It is not just legs growing, hands growing, eye popping open. It also works in the financial realm. Like we saw in the case of that woman, that widow, married to a pastor who had died in debt. Who died in debt? It was a prophet. A prophet that will see the future was in debt. I don't know. For some of you, it might not be financial. You just need God to collapse time for you. Something is taking too long. Like you know you ought to be at a higher level than where you are right now. You are too talented and too gifted and in fact too connected for this level. How can the son of a rich man be living like a pauper? I see another vanity under the sun. Princess walking. Barefooted, whereas slaves are riding 
on horses backs. Why? Why? That represents the, the case the, or the cases of God's children sometimes. The people, the unbelievers who don't even have a covenant with God and they live well. No, you shouldn't be. We are not carried away by the prosperity of the fools because their prosperity destroys them. But that is not a license for us to live in pauperism. It's not a license for us to live in sickness. You should be angry if there is sickness in your body because Jesus paid the full price, not instrumental payment. He didn't pay half price. Full price for your healing and health. So the devil tries to steal something from you. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Put your head in the name. Get it all back. Amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Next week, we'll look into Paul's ministry. See the working of miracles in his ministry. And I will wrap it up comparing it with the ministry of Jesus, the gift of faith, and the working of miracles. And I'll finish that by the help of the Holy Spirit.